with a closer look at the news and events affecting Prince George. Welcome to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us this morning. We've got, uh, this is After 9, the uh, Monday morning wake-up call. Got Alan on the board with me. Phyllis is still working diligently on the election, and I'm hoping she'll be back soon because I really miss her. And um, we've got Dr. Marie Hay with us here today. We are talking about the uh, kind of a double duty today. We're ca- talking about the development of the uh what is it called? The separation station that they want to put out in uh, Pineview there? Yes. Good it's, morning. Good morning, Dr. Hay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the invitation to be here today. No problem. The West Coast Olefin has proposed to split their massive petrochemical plastics project, uh, which they first submitted to the Ministry of the Environment in 2019, they have now try they're now trying to split it so the straddle plant is is proposed for pineview and the straddle plant has two plants within it first is a recovery plant and then an extraction plant then they hope to build a new pipeline from pineview all the way down to the bcr site where the third component of the straddle plant is proposed to be built, and that is called the separation plant. Now, the separation plant um, takes off the natural gas four elements, propane and butane, which will be loaded onto rail cars and sold uh, just as is, Oil condensate, which is a dirty, low-grade oil and needs to be refined, cracked up into a higher-grade oil to be uh, sellable on the market. But the fourth component is the most important for West Coast olefin, and that is ethane. Ethane is a gas. And so they take that gas from the separation plant in the BCR site to another plant beside it this is the proposal and they mix it with all sorts of incredibly toxic chemicals to make it into liquid ethylene and then when liquid ethylene is created there will be another connection to another plant close by called the ethylene derivatives plant where more toxic chemicals are put into the mix into the ethylene and they make it into polyethylene, plastic. And then they shove this solid material through a giant spaghetti maker, as it were, and out come these long strands of hard plastic, which, for shipment, it's much easier to chop them up into tiny little pellets the size of your fingernail. And now when you chop these spaghetti um, strips of plastic... You can chop it into these little uh, pellets, but there's mountains of plastic dust released from this that gets blown and spread everywhere. Now, West Coast Olefin are saying that the um, ethylene derivatives plant will be owned by a third party, an unnamed third party. 
So I think one has to ask, uh, well, where's all this money going to come from, $5.6 billion? It's important to follow the money and ask, which country in the world has this kind of money to invest in this project, and which country is likely to benefit the most from such a project? So this is the current proposal, and it has not been taken out of the Ministry of the Environment. This is still on the books and still proceeding through the MOE, as I understand it. Yeah, which um, just doesn't really... All of these things are going on, which are absolutely horrible, what they're trying to do. And yet it's all been done kind of behind closed doors at the same time, too. So there really hasn't been too much of a public face brought to this issue other than yourselves and the groups that you're you're belonging to, the uh, air quality group and stuff. So basically it was kind of done a little backdoorish, was it not? Um, I believe that there have been many, many backdoor meetings between many parties, mm-hmm. and there has been an abysmal lack of public consultation. And I think that the citizens of Prince George uh, have the right and deserve to be engaged in honest public communication about things that are going to affect their health, their children's health, and certainly the environment. So um, I deeply regret the lack of public consultation and giving the public the right to understand what's going on and to speak. Yes, especially in light of the fact that our own city um, planning initiative uh, spoke years ago to the fact that there were to be no more things added to our airshed, and they seem to have just kind of dropped that, or what? What's uh, they're ignoring past evidence, even that uh, doesn't allow us to have fully informed the results of what are going to be uh, actually happening to us health-wise? It's a very complex issue. And, um, you know, we have to try and ensure that the public know that if you don't have clean air or clean water, these are the two elements of life that you need Right, And dealing with the fact that our airshed and our watershed are already contaminated due to the industry we have here, is it really um, wise or advisable to even approach this idea to begin with? So, Yes, I, 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 I hear what you say, and I do agree that our air and water is already polluted. However, you know, to be balanced and fair... We do, as citizens, also contaminate the air ourselves mm-hmm. through the way we drive and idle our cars and uh, burn our f- fossil fuels like wood through uh, wood f- 
fireplaces mm-hmm. and this pellets, kind of, pellet stoves. Pellets I mean, I don't yeah. even, I still don't understand how they feel yeah. that that's a better option. Yeah. So we all have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, it isn't just industry. We as citizens also have that responsibility. So there's an interesting uh, little thought. It just crossed my head. How do people actually research this stuff and find real factual information that just isn't propaganda that people, uh, the, these spin doctors or turf builders, if they want to call them that, uh, astroturfing companies, how are we supposed to stop these types of things? Oh, Echo, you have asked I think the $64,000 question there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason I'm saying this is because let's look at history. Uh, In the history of uh, cigarettes, the cigarette companies decades ago spent millions, if not billions, of information to put out into the world disinformation about the health consequences of cigarettes. The petrochemical plants of the world, petrochemical and plastics plants of the world, have done exactly the same. Except 50 years ago and now, the the difference in communication is vast. We have the Internet, and we have these people paying... Um, uh, you know, trolls mm-hmm. to create They're sites. called astroturfers, an actual term for them. Is that right? Yes, absolutely, okay. yes. And they put out massive amounts of disinformation over, you know, Google and the Internet and all this kind of stuff, Facebook. And so people can get themselves into a, excuse the word, echo chamber. <laughs> in other <laughs> words, a big rut. <laughs> where they hear the same story all over again, again and again and again. And so where do people get accurate information? And um, that is the question. I think you have to look at the source of the information, um, the, the quality of the authors, whether it was peer-reviewed or evidence-based. Mm-hmm. You really have to, to do that. Or you choose people in your community who are trusted professionals to give you the information. You can do either. Yeah, where that still is so hard to disseminate because, you know, our trusted professionals are supposed to be our government bodies and the people who are uh, in charge of protecting our best interests. But that just doesn't seem to be always happening. Yeah, I I agree with you, but um, I'm not sure it's how we get around that. Yeah, I guess... uh, ethical places of research do not go to Wikipedia. <laughs> I mean, it's nice for facts, but you don't always know that you're, you're getting facts. Uh, I was listening to a story of a author who had written a book and he had tried to get onto Wikipedia to actually correct uh, misinformation that was on there. Mm-hmm. He was the author and this person had said yeah. the uh, this character that he had made was brought about by this thing and he tried to get on there and tell them, no, this isn't it and he was answered by them no you're not a credible source oh my and they wouldn't allow him to change his own information on on the wikipedia so so there's crazy bad things like that um there is a lot of good information uh there's tedx talks uh there is a woman named cheryl at 
S-H-A-R-Y-L-A-T-T-K-I-S-S-O-N on TEDx from February 2015, which actually she, in fact, explains to you this astroturfing and how these... um, uh, sites like MedPro and things like that are, are putting out false information can uh, destroy people's careers, um, disenfranchise people from medical systems and information that could actually help them. So this is where I think maybe we might be able to actually start to get some proper research and and feel for ourselves what's going on. I, I implore people to look into these things and not just stick with these sites that seem to be propagandist. Because really, that's what it is, is propaganda, is it not? Oh, it certainly is. A lot of it's propaganda mm-hmm. yeah, and disinformation. Yes, yes. So, so I implore people to uh, search out information with reputable sources. It's this uh, whole context within our governmental system of putting forth this disinformation to us seems to be almost the way of doing business these days. It's, it's almost the, the norm. Mm. And uh, that's just not right, everybody. So we got to take a quick break here. Alan's giving me the wave, and we will be back with more Dr. Hay and information about our toxic soup city. Hi, I'm Timmy, the host of the daily feature, The Onstage Spotlight, your way of keeping informed about performers and performances happening throughout the Prince George area. I'll be highlighting artists from all musical genres, both local and from around the world. I'll be featuring not only their music, but concert details and interesting insights into the music industry. So join me weekdays at 8.30, 11.30, and 3.30, Saturdays at 9.30 and 12.30, and Sundays at 12.30. That's The Onstage Spotlight, only on CFIS FM 93.1. Be on hand Thursday, October 7th for the opening reception of Aaron Stagg's Half-Breed Mother at Studio 2880. This collection of paintings celebrates the sacred journey of motherhood entwined with the embrace and exploration of Aaron's Métis heritage. Each painting lies upon the face of papers used to extinguish the indigenous title of her ancestors. Featuring an artist's talk at 6, the opening reception of Aaron Stagg's Half-Breed Mother, Thursday, October 7th from 5 to 7 at the Studio 2880 Artisan Gift Shop. Advocate Life's Celebrate Life Gala is set for Monday, November 1st. Due to current provincial regulations, this year's event will be held virtually with a twist. Enjoy the evening at a mini gala of up to 49 people or host your own watch party with a gourmet takeout meal provided. To RSVP or sponsor a watch party or for more information, visit CelebrateLifeGala.ca. Advocate Life's Celebrate Life Gala, Monday, November 1st, virtually with a twist. Forecast for Environment Canada, mainly cloudy today with a 40% chance of showers and the risk of a thunderstorm. Wind from the south at 20 gusting to 40, gusting to 60 near noon, a high of 16. Partly cloudy tonight, gusting south winds continuing, a low of 6. For Tuesday, a mix of sun and cloud with a 40% chance of showers and the risk of a thunderstorm in the afternoon. Gusting southwest winds continuing, a high of 13. Featuring the people who make things happen in Prince George, you're listening to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hello, hello. We are here talking about 
plastic, plastic plants, oil plants, gas plants, everything to do. But of course, my thing is mostly health and uh, being healthy and staying healthy. Now, the FDA, this is in the States, which we take a lot of our statistics from to begin with, state that since approximately 40% of all men and women will develop cancer in their lifetimes. Okay, that there alone is a huge statement. 40% of men and women will develop cancer. That's unacceptable. Why are the cancer agencies and that kind of thing not looking into the causes? And why are they not accepting responsibility for the things they've already discovered have? Um, what are some of the issues to do with, um, I, I hear they uh, attack your pineal gland is one of the main things, and your endocrine system, all that type of, their endocrine okay. disruptors? Yes, yes. Um, the petrochemical plastics industry produce toxins which are carcinogenic. That mm-hmm. is the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, mutagenic. That means that they cause congenital abnormalities in children. And they cause endocrine disruption of the endocrine systems of the human body. Mm-hmm. And basically you can divide up the health consequences into three major groups. Population health, worker occupational health, and children, right? Mm -hmm. Now, for population health, as you say, the uh, increase in cancers due to petrochemicals and plastics is very worrisome. And really, uh, you know, uh, when we look at health, we want to stop the source from upstream. For example, if you have a sink full of water with the plug in the sink and the taps are on and the sink is overflowing and you have mops and you're trying to mop up all the water on the floor, which is all the cancers that are occurring. Truly. If you don't pull out that plug and switch off the taps, you're never going to reduce the rate of cancers in the environment, in our human population. So we have to look upstream what is causing these cancers and the petrochemical plastics industry chemicals cause cancers. And so we have to be very, very, very careful. Even in our daily use of plastic, we should never, ever put food in which has plastic in or around it into the microwave to heat it up because it releases into the food some of the toxins of that plastic. And the other thing, too, which is very inadvisable is to put your plastic water bottle into the freezer and freeze it. Because by doing so, it leaches out the toxic chemicals into the water, which you then drink. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Every time I go by, like, a, a store who has their water bottles or whatever sitting out in front or their bread in plastic bags sitting in front of a window with the sun shining on it, it just makes me cringe and think that these folks shouldn't even be doing what they're doing. I was just relaying a story to you where I went out to picked up a on my way out to out of town I won't see exactly where it was but I, I asked the young feller for a sausage roll that was wrapped in plastic so what does he do he takes it 
And back in the old day, before we were educated, we used to um, pop a hole in the plastic was what we did, and then the thing would come out really nicely as long as you didn't overcook it. This poor guy, he didn't even know to unwrap it from the plastic. He didn't even know to pop a hole in it. He handed me that sausage roll, and it was this shriveled up, little thing that the plastic was stuck all to and I looked at him and I said I can't eat that and he looks at me like why I said well for one you got to take the plastic off at first he had no idea right absolutely no idea and another incidence is uh, I find it interesting because this is the health inspector that was telling us this I used to be employed at other art and cappuccino when it was in town it was a cool little place that we would go to and uh, we tried to make a recycling program so uh, folks could bring in their own tubs or Tupperwares or whatever to even if we ran those through the dishwasher the health inspector would not allow us to uh, do that even if we did run them through a dishwasher on the count of there was no way to sterilize that plastic. That plastic, when it heats, it opens up, it, it lets uh, plastic release, plus it takes in the food, the germs of the food. So anybody out there cutting your food on a plastic cutting board, setting your cigarettes down in a plastic ashtray to sit there and fester and get a little bit of plastic on the end of them while you're having a talk with your friend and then you pick it back up, that's another thing I've seen in places. You cannot sterilize plastic. That's why stainless steel and wood is industry standard in restaurants. Anywhere you go that you see anything different than that, you shouldn't even be in that restaurant. Uh, and let alone, so now transfer that to our kitchens and we see what we're doing on a regular basis by putting things in the microwave or heating things up, setting a plastic bowl in warm water with something in it to thaw or it, it, it's just a very scary process. Yes, I, I would agree with you. And the idea of this petrochemical plastics plant potentially coming to Prince George is is very scary uh, because, as um, has been publicly um, explained, that when this happens, it's just the start because there's going to be a whole pile of other petrochemical and related industries coming to Prince George and would likely turn this city into another Sarnia, Ontario. Or Louisiana, is it down in states? Oh, and watch the show on that place down in Louisiana. And they'll try and tell you that, oh, no, we're way updated from from the way we do things are much better and more well done. Well, I, I I don't see it. You know, I've, I've tried to look into what actually has West Coast Olefins ever built. And I can't find any, um, anywhere in their website a plant that they have actually built. So one wonders what actually is their experience. Are they really going to build it or are they just going to get the permits in place and then sell off their company to a third party. Oh, see, now we're getting into some real cheesy weasel stuff then. Well, I, I, if, I'm just... If that's an interesting point, and, and it would bears uh, more looking into, obviously. I hope some of you get out there and get on that investigation as we were talking about research. There you go. We've got a amazing Dr. Hay here who's saying there is no record of these folks. Well, I know I that said she's I able to find. I can't find yeah, a record so of them having built a plant before. Please, out there, someone help us find this record to to uh, show their um, 
their track record. Yeah, the track record of how they um, are even yeah. getting to where they are. Uh, what, did they develop uh, something earlier that they had something of the same issue happening? Was uh, there, I couldn't don't find know. Okay, that. I think that was Joe Graber I was talking to about that. Rest in peace, bless his heart. And uh, on that note, I'm sad now because I've we've lost our good friend Joe and uh, as again bless his heart it's time for a little break and we will be back with uh, more with Dr. Hay take part the second Sunday of every month in the Two Rivers Art Gallery Sunday Gallery Tour from one to two you'll enjoy an in-depth tour of the exhibitions led by staff and knowledgeable learning and engagement volunteers it's a chance to share your views and see the exhibit in a whole new light the tours are free but please pre-register through tworiversartgallery.ca Sunday Gallery Tours, the second Sunday of each month at Two Rivers Art Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. The Covidian Garden Party is on the road. A smaller version of the exhibit, currently on display at Two Rivers Gallery, is in McBride for the month of October. The exhibition will be on display at the Valley Museum at Archives starting Friday. It's the Covidian Garden Party, a coming-of-age by Kat Sievertson, touring the region through the end of October from Two Rivers Gallery, where creativity flows in the Canada Games Plaza. If you attended a federal Indian day school, now is your time to make your claim. If you experience harm at your school, you may be eligible to receive a check for compensation. Remember, you need to make your claim before July 13, 2022. See if your school is on the list and get free legal help. Start at IndianDaySchools.com or call 1-844-539-3815. Claim what's yours. Get ready for the coming new year by picking up the new 2022 art calendar. Past Glory features the works of Richard Alexander Mintz. Check out his website, ramart.ca, then stop by the Studio 2880 Artisan Gift Shop between 11 and 5, Tuesday through Thursday, to pick up your copy. Calendars are just $20 each, with all proceeds going to BC Children's Hospital. The 2022 art calendar, Past Glory, now available at the Studio 2880 Artisan Gift Shop on 15th Avenue. Thank you for tuning in and staying tuned to After 9 on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hello, we are here with After 9 this morning talking with Dr. Marie Hay about mm, basically poison. (laughs) Our health, our our air shed, everything that uh, we hold dear to us, which is specifically our children. We've been told years ago, uh, we've known not to feed our pets with plastic bowls because it tends to give them infections and this, that and the next thing or chin disease or some kind of dermatitis. And uh, yet we just don't seem to have an issue feeding our children out of plastic and it's not like they're licking them or or re- redoing them. But as I stated, there's no way to sterilize plastic to begin with. So how in fact do we justify and and equate feeding ourselves and our children our most important resources you pointed out? Uh, what's with that? I think, uh, as you say, Echo, children are our most important resource. And Mm -hmm. if we, you know, our job as parents is to protect the health of our children up to 100 years. We want them to make 100 years. That's Mm -hmm. the, the goal, the aim. And healthy and happy. Now, these petrochemical plastics plant contaminate 
the air, water and land up to 35 kilometers around the plant. This has been shown in uh, plastics plants all over Sweden, um, Europe, and, and in fact in many other parts of the world. So we can expect that if this is built in Prince George, that's what's going to happen to our environment. Now, let's take Trail. And they have a big uh, um, company down there. I can't remember what the name of the company is, but it was polluting lead into the atmosphere from its stacks. And the lead contaminated all the soil around the trail. And the children playing on the grass got uh, absorbed the lead into their bodies. And that caused neurodevelopmental difficulties like cognitive impairment, learning disabilities, attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder. And so what had to happen was that this uh, industry had to go and scrape off all the topsoil of all the houses and gardens and place clean new topsoil around and also to stop polluting the area with lead. Um, they, they, they had to do that, but it took many decades before that was found out. Mm-hmm. Now, we know this information now ahead of time, so why would we allow it into our city to cause the same problems to our children? Yes, and especially since we've known, basically, this information has been known for 30 years. So we're yeah. we're regressing rather than progressing. Yeah, yeah. And my concern is that if children absorb this plastic, fugitive plastic dust that gets blown in everywhere into the land and the air and the water, if that gets absorbed into their bodies when they're young... They're going to start developing their cancers when they're 30, 40, or 50. They're not going to make that 100. Now, you know... And those are our, basically some of our childbearing years just prior to that as well. So yes, we have to think that are yes. we handing this down within our system to our children? And oh, oh, you have made such a point there, Echo. 40% of the workers in Canada in these plastics plants are women. And when they work in these environments, they absorb all of this dust through their eyes, their mouth, their skin, and it gets into their body. Now, stuck on to the plastic particles, uh, you can get heavy metal stuck onto it, like mercury and lead and cadmium and all of these kind of things. And also the fact that the plastic dust is endocrine disruptive, Mm-hmm. It gets absorbed into the mother's body, into the woman's body, I should say. So if she gets these heavy metals inside of her body, then she cannot get rid of them out of her body. But when she gets pregnant, the heavy metals get redistributed into the brain of the unborn child. And that can cause that child to have neurodevelopmental problems after birth. Also, the endocrine disruption can uh, have male children having abnormal genitalia when they're born because uh, these endocrine disruptors in the plastics are often estrogenized uh, elements which can feminize a male child yes in utero Yes, and and it's so difficult. I mean, it gives in. You're saying that the plastic absorbs these uh, metallic toxins that are are bad for us as well. Just as I'd said, it holds germs. Like so, 
I just, it's just so frustrating. It's, there's no way to even, it gives them the ability to run around with excuses of, oh, well, it didn't happen from the plastic. It's because of this, that, or the next thing. So it just gives them a reason to be able to brush off the, this, these issues that seem to be forefront that we keep doing this circle to try and find a solution to. And basically it all comes down to governmental regulation and, um, basic, what do you call it? Effluent or what do you call that? Bad stuff that goes into the air. Why can't they stop these emissions? That's the word I'm looking for. There must be, I mean, there's, we've got the, the systems, our society's built on these things. Why aren't we concentrating on how to stop the emissions, how to stop all the gases and things like that? If this is an industry that we feel we have to have in society, because frankly, our car upholstery, our clothing, everything we do has got plastic in it, right? Nylon, plastic is nylon, is it not? Mm-hmm. So we're rubbing this up against our skin all the time. It's just, we feel like we're fighting a losing battle and we have to just throw our hands up and say, okay, we'll just roll over and die. I'm, I, yeah, I'm I think confused. it's important for the, for the citizens to, as I said, get educated and yes. stand up and speak and have their voice heard. Just like the farmers at Pineview. I can't, you know, it's amazing, marvelous to see this mm-hmm. whole community rise up and uh, revolt against having this thrust onto their farmer's land, onto the agricultural land reserve. Yeah, so that's one thing we really didn't mention to begin with, if everyone wasn't aware of it. This, where they're putting this straddle plant, is that what you called it? It is in an an, uh, agricultural land Land reserve. reserve. So there are areas, and one of them, I believe, is the regional district, are they not? Where we can actually, the regional district has a fair amount of authority over this in in the uh, development stages, as people can maybe write letters, or what can we do in that context? Yeah. There's all sorts of levels. There's the Oil and Gas Commission. There's the Agricultural Land Commission. There's the Regional District. Uh, there's all sorts of levels. But they've been very clever splitting the project and just having the petrochemical part in the Agricultural Land Reserve and then the rest down in the BCR site because mm-hmm. by splitting the project they reduce their need for an M6 zoning down to an M5 zoning and the BCR site has M5 zoning already so there will be no need for a public hearing in Prince George when they start to build that plastics plant oh my goodness so yeah so, they're really doing it and uh, we got to take another quick break but we will be back with more of this interesting community news for you on After 9 The City of Prince George is seeking applications for grants that help creative residents and organizations initiate or sustain great ideas, events, and projects. The MyPG Community Grants assist not-for-profit groups and other community organizations to develop and implement innovative initiatives that help to make Prince George a great community. Full details are available through the Grants and Financial Assistance link under City Services at PrinceGeorge.ca. The application deadline for the MyPG Community Grants is October 15th. BC Culture Days has a dynamic selection of interactive arts and cultural events taking place in Northern BC this year, as well as online at culturedays.ca. 
Through October 24th, culture enthusiasts will connect with their communities by learning a new skill or discovering new creative talents. Reimagine a brighter future post-pandemic, enhanced through creative connection through October 24th. Discover available events and more at culturedays.ca slash bc. UNBC is hosting an online Truth and Reconciliation talking circle to commemorate the first National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Starting at 10 Thursday, the 90-minute event is open to everyone and will feature singing, dancing, and storytelling, as well as a presentation from a host of UNBC professors. Full details are available through the news link at unbc.ca. UNBC's Truth and Reconciliation talking circle, 10 o'clock Thursday, via Zoom. Forecast for Environment Canada, mainly climate today with a 40% chance of showers and the risk of a thunderstorm. Wind from the south at 20 gusting to 40, gusting to 60 near noon, a high of 16. Partly cloudy tonight, gusting south winds continuing, a low of 6. For Tuesday, a mix of sun and cloud with a 40% chance of showers and the risk of a thunderstorm in the afternoon. Gusting southwest winds continuing at a high of 13. This is After 9 on <coughs> Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Well, after nine is talking about West Coast olefins and other polluting entities within our community that affect our health system. So we've got this thing they want to stick out in Pine View, and it's a industrial site. They want to have a, is it a separation pond? So they're actually going to have something in the ground that uh, is inflicting the already tenuous water system up in Pine View. Correct? They have a. There's some kind kind of a separation pond they said they want and they're going to expand it like once they've got this one line in here they're probably going to drive through more i would suspect uh, yeah that's at the moment that's speculation but i my understanding is that the straddle plant in pineview is going to be a recovery plant and an extraction plant and for that, they're going to, I believe, build a settling pond. Mm-hmm. And they say that they're going to have core sampling into the wells, uh, into the water table there, to make sure that they're not contaminating the water table. Well, that's mighty nice of them. However, we there's no details about how many of these core sampling wells are going to be, how often they're going to test, who's going to test it, who's going to police this, you know, is there going to be independent surveys? And if they say, well, there's no chance of contaminating the groundwater, why are they putting, why would they be putting in a sampling, a core sampling well to test the groundwater? Mm-hmm. However, the, 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 the thing is that <clears throat> the people, the farmers out in Pineview, as I said, are up in arms about this coming into their agricultural land reserve and potentially polluting their farms. So they have a petition going, which anybody in Prince George and Pineview can sign, with more than 1,500 people opposed to this straddle plant in Pineview and about 50 people in favor of it. Wow, that's so, a pretty good percentage. Oh, it of, is. Uh, it's marvelous yeah. uh, what they have done. And as I said, anybody in Prince George, if you want to put your signature down, please, please, please do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, we have to try and convince the Oil and Gas Commission, the Agriculture Land Commission, and the regional district that this is not a suitable location for a petrochemical plant to go in. Now, the thing about agricultural land reserve to take land out of the reserve is very, very difficult. But you can apply to the Agricultural Land Commission 
to take land out for temporary use, uh, a non-farm use, um, which I believe and I understand this is how West Coast Olefin is going to approach the Agriculture Land Commission is potentially to ask them, we don't want to take it out of the Agricultural Land Reserve. We just want to remove this little bit of land temporarily reuse it for a petrochemical plant for 25 or 40 years or whatever, and then it goes back into the land reserve. Well, what goes back into the land reserve? I don't think it's going to be suitable to go back into the land reserve. Also, Pineview is, you know, there's wetlands, there's precious wetlands out there and bird sanctuaries and lakes and migratory pathways for birds. I mean, uh, why are we going? This this has been studied since 1970 by a university in the states and by citizens, uh, bird um, birders in Canada. They've studied this since 1970, and to have this destroyed by the light pollution and the noise pollution Mm -hmm. that's going to go on there. Now they're going to have to also put in a 70, 70 megawatt. Um, electrical station to push all of these gases and condensate down that pipeline into the BCR site. Mm-hmm. Can you do you know? I understand that Canfor has a forty megawatt electrical station in their um, company, but so to have a seventy megawatt electrical station up there. I mean, the noise from that alone and the lights are... Yeah, apparently the lighting is going to be quite huge up there. It's going to cast quite a broad beam. And uh, they're flaring. They're going to be flaring as well, which means there's going to be that gas stank coming out of there that we're all going to have to... And one of the farmers, I believe, in Pineview was told that when it's up and running, or if it ever gets up and running, that there will be nobody on site to be monitoring what's happening, that it will be monitored remotely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if there's an accident, uh, like take the oil leak at Kalamazoo River in Michigan, uh, the, the pipeline ruptured under the, la- under the river. <clears throat> the alarm went off in Edmonton. It was being remotely uh, looked after in Edmonton. The person sitting at the desk in Edmonton thought it was a false alarm and switched it off. So the contamination continued for another 36 hours with this oil polluting the river, which was the drinking source for, you know, millions of people. Yeah, <clears throat> Unbelievable. And was there ever any accountability for that? I mean, or was the guy just transferred somewhere else to, you know, the, the way our management systems run, there's just a whole other show to be had, <laughs> Dr. Hayes, yeah, seriously. And, and unfortunately, um, what I have seen is that Companies can break the rules all the time with regard to pollution. Mm-hmm. And if, if they are ever found out or caught or taken to court, that they get this little slap on the wrist and they might get a $50,000 fine or a $100,000 fine. Yes. But these fines are tax deductible to the company. And therefore are just nothing, nothing. for them so, of consequence. So it makes more money to just continue. The and practice. also the emissions from permitted industries are not monitored by the government themselves. They are monitored by the industries themselves who then report to government, well, we put out this amount of pollution this year or that amount of pollution that year. So it's self-monitored, self-policed. They've decimated our systems of control to be able to hold these guys accountable. There's no independent controls. Mm -hmm. There Uh, used to be, but back in the 90s, the beginning of the 90s, they ended the environmental 
uh, agencies here, they shut down most of our environmental testing and things yeah. like that because I knew some people that work there, actually. Yeah, and, and, and when you take a Louisiana, the Gulf Coast, where you have this conglomeration of petrochemical plastics plants there, uh, apparently the Environmental Protection Agency has suppressed in that area all sorts of information about the health, adverse health consequences to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, here are workplace safety guys. They um, let's take um, that mine that spewed a whole bunch of stuff into the lake. Yeah. There, what, yeah. what was in Quinell? In Quinell, yes, yeah. they were never held accountable. Um, nothing was really ever done. I think there was just some recently some fines handed out, like you were saying. I read something about, but it was, you know, that's how many years ago that happened. And they finally just brought it to a resolution. And it's apparently quite unsatisfactory. So, yeah. So anyway, the Environmental Law Center at the University of Victoria, which is run by professors and law students and and law graduates, have uh, put forward a 29-page proposal to the min- to Mr. George Heyman that he would order an independent review of the whole of West Coast Olefin's projects in Prince George to look at the cumulative um, damage that will be done by these and, and who was that again that you said brought that out? The Environmental Law Center at mm-hmm. University of Victoria. Perfect. And I think it was uh, the end of August they did this. They sent this to the Minister Heyman. Anybody who wants to look at that? 29- Why would the Citizen newspaper not uh, promote that article? They've oh, done a really good article, actually. On September 21st, the Citizen produced uh, quite an yeah. informative article talking about your proposal or your presentation to the City Hall last week. Yeah, I think uh, I think they did Okay, when it was first published. Oh, wonderful. Uh, it's a very uh, comprehensive document, mm-hmm. and we are hoping that Mr. George Heyman, the minister, will undertake an independent review. Absolutely. Okay, we got to take another quick break, and we will be back talking more about the... Um, this time I think we're going to talk about the plant, the husky, the old husky plant. So we'll be talking a little bit about that when we come back. As part of its Pride series, Theatre Northwest presents a stage reading of Natalie Meisner's play Speed Dating for Sperm Donors on October 29th. Julian Legere will produce the play about a lesbian couple who want a baby or two. Audience members are warned the play includes some mature language, sexual content, and references to homophobic violence. Speed Dating for Sperm Donors, part of the Pride series, October 29th at Theatre Northwest in the Park Hill Center. Tickets are available at tickets.theaternorthwest.com. Identify and develop your organization's internal capacity by taking Vantage Point's Life Cycle Self-Assessments Workshop. In this half-day program, you'll learn to diagnose your organization's life cycle stage, pinpoint your exact growing pains, and plan next steps for capacity development. Registration and full details are available through the calendar link under training at thevantagepoint.ca. Apply the organizational life cycle model to your organization with the Life Cycle Self-Assessment Workshop, Tuesday, October 5th from 9 to 1.00. 
through the vantage point.ca. The Indigenous Sport, Physical Activity and Recreation Council is presenting cost-free professional development and training. On Friday at the Pomeroy Sports Centre in Fort St. John, iSpark will present the full-day Sport for Life workshop, Indigenous Communities, Active for Life. This presentation will help community leaders develop quality sport and physical activity programs. Registration and full details are available through iSpark.ca. The Sport for Life, Indigenous Communities, Active for Life workshop, Friday in Fort St. John. Prince George City Council has passed a new bylaw to help make the streets, sidewalks, and alleys of Prince George safer for all residents. The Safe Street Bylaw is a means to address overtly antisocial behavior in public, including aggressive panhandling, littering, sidewalk obstruction, graffiti, open drug use, and needle disposal. It also addresses the creation of structures, temporary shelters, and campfires. Further information about initiatives aimed at improving the downtown are available online at princegeorge.ca. You're listening to After 9 on Prince George's Community Station, 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hey, 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 we are here with Dr. Marie Hay, and we are, uh, we were going to, I was thinking we should start talking about the Tidewater Midstreams thing, which is the Husky plant. They're planning on doing a hydrogen peroxide as well as a diesel upgrade in there. Uh, I think that's going to be for another show, but it is another major polluter within our area. So... Back to what we can do to uh, help out with anybody's objections with our, our plastics plant and the straddle plant that they're trying to put in our agricultural land reserve. Okay, well, this is what the citizens can do if you have concerns. Um, at the farmer's market on the 2nd of October, there will be people there at, at the group gallery on 3rd Avenue with the petition that you can sign this is for the farmers of Pineview t- to block uh, West Coast Olefin Straddle Plant out there. You can contact uh, the regional district, <clears throat> the city of Prince George, um, and express your concerns to whoever your, uh, if you know a councillor or a, a person on the regional district, contact them. Put it in writing. Contact the Oil and Gas Commission. Put your concerns in writing. Contact the Agricultural Land Commission. Put your concerns in writing. Contact the Ministry of the Environment again. And put your concerns in writing. Don't just sit there and complain. Take action. Mm-hmm. This is vitally important. Vitally. And if you want good researched information, you can Google the Environmental Law Center um, proposal to Minister George Heyman of August of 2021 and you can download that 29 pages and embedded in those 29 pages are dozens of research papers that you can go to to get more accurate information about this whole project. I cannot overstress how important that proposal from the Environmental Law Center in the University of Victoria is, it's vitally important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you want to say something, Alan? Well, I just, this is something that's been drilled into me from doing public service announcements here for the last three or four years. Dr. Hay, you said the petition was going to be at the farmer's market October the 2nd. That's this week. So we always say it's going to be at, at the farmer's market on Saturday. 
Okay. <laughs> stop people from having to look at the calendar. Well, when's October the second? Well, that's going to be a point, but it just makes it easier for people. Well, that's going to be a nice way to spend my birthday because that's my birthday. Yeah, we'll be in the foyer of uh, the Group Gallery on Third Avenue because um, bylaws would not allow us to set up just outside of the farmer's market. And we weren't allowed to set up in the farmer's market because... Uh, of their rules. Of their rules, To do yeah. with the produce production, yeah. Produce yeah. production and also it being a political... Uh, the, ah. the farmers at Pineview are now regarded as a political body. Okay, so the group gallery is where exactly? It's on 3rd Avenue, very close to the courthouse. Okay, great. That's that's down uh, a couple of blocks down. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. that's awesome. We definitely, definitely need to get input from everyone and uh, allow the government to know that we really do not want any more carcinogens within our systems. It's uh, it's our right to do so as well as our responsibility. Yeah, we do need economic development and we do need jobs. Yeah, like let's not get into the idea here that we're not job favorable because that is not the the case at all. It's just the disgusting health effects to humans, animals, everybody else with the type of industry that they're progressing uh, with we uh, all know and we hear the old oh we're heading for an extinction event and people think all oh, that's ridiculous but it's not the earth is soon going to shake us off like fleas if we don't get our act together I do believe well we're all in this together truly and uh, you know humans and all of the different species of the world we're all interconnected and our survival depends on that good healthy connection yes and and uh we really must uh call to task companies that create things that are poisonous and toxic to us that seem to think that they can spread their um death wherever they like i mean we're talking but people must have hope that yes. they can fight the system and that they can win. That's right. In my lifetime, I never thought I would see the Berlin Wall fall and come crashing down in Europe or that communism would be outruled in Russia. Never mm-hmm. thought that that would happen, but Truly. it did. Truly. So the people of Prince George, if they do not want this industry, they can stop it if they put their minds to it. They can. Absolutely. And it's it's not really just us, I don't think, folks. I think it's the whole province here that's going to be affected by the toxicity of, of this uh, this issue. Really, it's, you know, stuff rolls downhill, as they say, and, and that just might be what happens. It'll carry on right down to the coast. And, and do we really want to support an industry that we're really trying to phase out of? I think that's another big question that's for us. That's a good question. I, I good just question. Uh, don't quite understand our, our allowance of situations that harm us and governmental policies that facilitate the harm it's it's just does not seem conscionable to me so what do you do what would you like to say to everybody dr hey to end off the day here i would like to say have hope absolutely thank you thank you so much thank you echo oh you're very welcome i thank you for for uh coming on and sharing your wisdom with us it's always just an amazing treat
Okay, goodbye now. Goodbye now. Okay, everyone, thank you for uh, joining us today. This is After 9. This is Echo and Alan, and we're booking out of here. So bye for now. After 9 is a daily presentation of CFIS-FM. After 9 is produced by Alan Wishart, Reg Fair, and Nathan Gita. Additional contributors include CBC News and the National Campus and Community Radio Association. For a rebroadcast of today's program, check out the podcast link at cfisfm.ca. To provide feedback or suggestions for the show, please email cfisfm at yahoo.ca. You're tuned to 93.1 CFIS.